What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. Excuse me. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the ones in charge. They're the hosts. They are the ones behind the wheel and they are steering this ship through these crazy chaotic waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you all here. It is Sunday, October 2000, excuse me, October 23rd, 2022. So I hope everybody had a good weekend so far. Hope everybody had a safe weekend at that. I tell you what, it's been a beautiful weekend and I think we still got one or two more days here in Michigan of uh, hitting like at least 70, 75 degrees. It was close to 80 according to my semis uh, thermostat um it was just it's been beautiful so i do apologize that uh today is a bit of a late show um after i got done with work i definitely had to you know me and the wife went to uh go get some groceries in fact it actually started off with just getting one item because we were gonna do groceries a few days later uh, a couple days you know in a couple days but then we're like yeah we're already here let's just knock it out so we knocked that out had to get the car washed and then i you know wanted her to bring it back ASAP while it was still wet so I can sham it and dry it and you know then one thing led to another I started detailing it and vacuuming it and next thing you know it two and a half hours into my detail I was like oh my god I'm like I still got to eat dinner which I have not yet um, I was in, and in the middle of all that, I was actually listening to an interview. It was kind of a Q and a interview with, um, Destry Payne, who is in the national assembly up there in uh, the great state of Alaska. And he was on the power, passion, freedom show with Leanna. And so she was doing a Q and a, and thankfully because of her and her great audience, um, they, you know, were, uh, gracious to have Destry on and, you know, share more about what the national assembly is and, uh, you know, basically how that is going to be the major tool, the major mechanism that's going to help us get our nation back. But, but anyways, but we're not going to be here talking about the assembly on 1% with him. That's going to be on the next discussion, which is a, his hardline discussion. So we're going to do that after the reading today, we are uh, going to be doing the reading out of Romans chapter 11 here on 1% with him. So glad to have you all here again. Thank you. And then um, before we get started, I wanted to play something yesterday that I forgot to play. I heard this. I absolutely fell in love with this soundbite. I want to just play it today. It's called The Devil Can't Take Your Calling. The devil cannot take your calling. The Bible says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He doesn't change his mind when you lose your way. So since the devil can't take your calling, he attacks your confidence. Because if he can get you to give him your confidence, He can keep you from functioning in your calling. If he can get you to believe that you're raising your kids just like your mom raised you, and your mom raised you in a way that was detrimental and destructive, he can get you to repeat the patterns and miss the opportunity for progress because he stripped you of your confidence. You can have a great calling and no confidence. 
The devil cannot take your calling. Mm, that is so powerful. I, I love that. And I just absolutely love that. And, you know, in a time right now where it seems like the spiritual warfare against uh, these evil principalities seem to be ever increasing, it just definitely seems like that more and more people's not only confidence, but their hope and, and their, um, you know, their outlook toward the future is starting is diminishing more and more, at least for the people that aren't really fully awake. And I feel really bad for those people. Truly, I do. Um, my heart goes out to them. And no matter how hard I try to, you know, help them awaken and open their eyes to some of the truths that, you know, many of us have been subjected to and have already gone through the grieving process, because it's like, wow, how did our nation allow this? How did, how do we, you know, not see this? But, you know, that's one thing that the devil is really good at doing is, is convincing the world that he doesn't exist while at the same time being right in our faces and just, you know, throwing stumbling stone after stumbling stone, causing us to freaking fall. And then once we fall, trying to keep us down, that's what Satan's good at doing. And so anyway, I just, I, I, I heard that. I was like, I have to play that. I'm like, what a great, great sound clip. And here's another one too, by the way, uh, uh, this one really got me thinking. I found this this morning. I was like, whoa, give this a listen. And then we're going to get right into the reading. Yo, you know what I noticed reading the Bible, like actually reading it for myself, is that it was intently written for men. And there was a couple scriptures that really stood out, but when those scriptures opened my eyes, I really started looking at the Bible from that lens. So the first is Exodus 20 verse 17. Basically, this is when God is announcing the Ten Commandments. The very last commandment, God says, you shall now covet your neighbor's house. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't cover his male or female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Why did he specifically only say, don't cover your neighbor's wife? Why didn't he say, don't cover your neighbor's wife or don't cover your neighbor's husband? Because he wasn't talking to women. He's putting that responsibility on men. But this next scripture really got me because it kind of took me against everything I had already understood about sin. I'm talking about Romans 5 verse 12. It says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Like what? Like just as through one man, like, but Eve ate the apple first, right? Technically Eve did eat the apple first, but according to this scripture, it wasn't considered sin until Adam ate the apple. But this helped me understand some more things, and it's beginning to make sense of others. It makes sense why now we're living in a society where the women dominate the narrative. The women dictate what's socially acceptable, because this is not how God wanted it. This is out of order. And if you somehow think this gives you a pass to be disrespectful to women, like, just keep scrolling, yo. This is all about standing as men and being responsible for our roles and not to allow women to dictate what our role is. God already gave us a role. You need to stop compromising your role in order to appease your woman and then expect her to take accountability for decisions that you should have made for both of you. That's how leaders lead. Adam fell short because he listened to his woman. That's the very first lesson. And we still keep making the same mistakes and wonder why the world is the way it is. Fellas, we've allowed it. Pick up your Bible. Read. You'll be surprised what you find in there. 
Because 98% of what I was taught as a Christian is not in the Bible. Something simple as Sunday service goes completely against scripture. That list is a mile long. So I suggest you get to reading because we don't have much time left. Mm. I tell you, at first off, sorry for the, you could tell that was a TikTok video because you could tell by the eerie, stupid background music <laughs> that everybody uses on their video. <laughs> It's so overplayed. It's not even funny. But but forget about the, the the background music, though. Tell me, is that not true? When I heard that, I was like, whoa, it got me thinking. I was like, holy cow, you this guy's absolutely right. When you read the Bible and you read it really closely, like he was saying, it definitely seems like the Bible was intently written for men because what's the order? God and then men get led by God. And then it's up to the men to lead the women. And then, you know, the women lead the children as well as the men. But, you know, that's the that's the basic order. And when he explained that and, and, and pointed to a couple of verses, I was like, whoa, I'm like, that is no kidding. Wow. Wow. You know, so anyway, I just I felt it incumbent upon myself to like play that for you guys i just i thought that was very profound and eye-opening so i'll tell you i'm gonna be paying more and more attention in fact there is another scripture that comes to mind i cannot remember the exact exact verse um in chapter but i believe it's in leviticus when i find it i i i when i read it i couldn't believe it and it's one of those verses now that i think about it again it is geared towards men and it is something that you will never i guarantee it will never hear in mass or any type of service of any church for that matter, because I've read this to many people who are big avid churchgoers and people who study the Bible. And I've read this verse and and, and I'm not going to do it today because I'm pressed for time, but I will on another day. I will bring it up if somebody reminds me or if I remember, but the, 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 <laughs> the number one response I get is, oh my God, I have never heard that. I said, yeah, it's right here in the Bible, right here in Leviticus. Either the Leviticus or, um, I can't remember the other one. But anyway, it's in the Old Testament. That much I know. But anyway, we'll get back to that here, maybe different days. So, Romans chapter 11, New American Standard Bible. And we are going to start off with the usual verse one. I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? Far from it, for I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars and I alone am left and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. I, the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, since otherwise grace is no longer grace. What then, what Israel is seeking, it has not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see, not ears to hear, not down to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. May their eyes be darkened to not see, to see not and bend their backs continually. Mm. I say then they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? Far from it. 
But by their wrongdoing, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Now, if their wrongdoing proves to be riches for the world and their failure, riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Therefore, insofar as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I may remove my own people to jealousy and save some of them. For if their rejection proves to be the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are as well. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief. But you stand by your faith. Do not be conceited, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. See then the kindness of, and severity of God to those who fell severity, but to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. For otherwise, you too will be cut off. And they also, if they did not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what? is by nature a wild olive tree, and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. That a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. It's a very important word. I'm just sidebar in that verse 27. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Very profound words. Remember that word covenant, ladies and gentlemen. Continuing on with verse 28. In relation to the gospel, they are enemies on your account, but in relation to God's choice, they are beloved on account of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience, so these also now have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. For God has shut up all the disobedience, so that he may also show mercy to all. Oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it would be paid back to him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Wow, I love that. All right. If I sound like I'm rushing, forgive me. I'm trying to get to bed at a reasonable time. Had a lot to do because I still want to do another show after this, a, an assembly update and more. going to touch on a little bit of uh, um, some of what Leanne talked about in her podcast from the Power, Passion, Freedom show from yesterday. Uh, Destry was doing a Q&A today. If uh, some of you missed it, I'm sure it'll be on her Rumble page. Uh, if not tonight, for sure by tomorrow, give it a listen. 
Very good information as usual. Okay, so what? So what's Romans chapter eleven really trying to tell us? So. This passage concludes a significant section of Paul's letter contained in Romans 9 through 11. And so these three chapters ask and answer the question, well, what about Israel? And this is an objection. Paul's, you know, this is an objection. Um, excuse me. This is, I can't speak today. Forgive me. Why can I not talk? This is an objection. There we go. That Paul's opponents often asked. And so if Israel is God's chosen people and they have rejected the faith in Christ as the way of salvation, then what will honestly happen to them? So Paul has acknowledged that Israel has, for the most part, rejected faith in Christ. And he began this chapter by asking if that means that God has rejected Israel. Now his response is another resounding no, of course. But after all, Paul himself is not an Israelite who has come to faith in Christ and has been saved, showing that this is possible for all Jewish people. Now, Paul refers to the smaller subset of Jewish people who have turned to Christ as a remnant, comparing them to the remnant of those in Israel who had not bowed to Baal in Elijah's day. By grace, God has set aside the, this remnant of Jewish Christians as true Israel. Not the fake Khazarian mafia, you know, uh, imitators, the true Jewish Christians of true Israel. It's very important. It's very, very important. <clears throat> so Paul makes a clear point about any attempt to mix salvation by grace with salvation based on works. And so in short, they are totally incompatible. Now, if something is truly by grace... Let's think about this. If something is truly by grace, it cannot be in any way based on works and vice versa. Yeah, but what about the rest of Israel, though? Well, what of those who refuse to believe in Christ as the Messiah? What about them? And so Paul, you know, Paul's startling revelation is that God has hardened their hearts in their initial unbelief. And so he has caused them to trip over the stumbling block of Jesus, but not permanently. And so their hardening is only for a time. And so one reason for Israel's unbelief, Paul writes, is to make room on the body of the main body, referred to as the root of God's tree. Now, this open space is intended for the non-Jews in the world, and these Gentiles who are coming to God through faith in Christ are like the branches of a wild olive tree that have been grafted onto the trunk of the cultivated plant. In the old branches, unbelieving Jews have been broken off for a time to make this possible. And so Paul warns the Gentile Christians not to be arrogant toward these unbelieving Jews. However, the time is coming then after the right amount of the Gentile, right amount of Gentiles have believed in Christ, when God will remove the hardening from the unbelieving Jews, and they will turn to faith in Christ and as a people be grafted back onto God's symbolic olive tree, from which they had previously been pruned. God is not done with Israel. So in spiritual terms, the Israelites may be enemies of the gospel of faith in Jesus Christ for now. But they were certainly the spiritual enemies of Paul during his lifetime. And yet, the Jewish people of Israel remained deeply loved by God because of the promises he made to the patriarchs. God never breaks his promise. And his gifts and his calling on Israel can't be taken back. 
God will use his grace and mercy toward the Gentile Christians to make Israel jealous, and he will use these events to bring her back to himself as a nation. In the form of those individual Jews who eventually trust in Christ at some future time. And so Paul concludes this section with what has become a beloved poem, like a hymn, about the vast unknowableness and independence of our merciful God. And we're going to see that in this nation. We are going to see that in this nation. We're going to see many bring themselves back to him, not just as a nation, but I believe collectively as a world. We are going to get back to God, the true God, the divine God in, in heaven, the creator, not the creature, not Baal, the true creator. And, and like, like I said, God never breaks his promise. God is placing everybody right now actively in this in, in the position where they need to be at to to fulfill what needs to be done around the world yet. That's why I say always put trust and faith in Christ and God. He'll steal he will steer your ship in that safe harbor at when when the storm is over. He will steer your personal vessel into that safe harbor so you can get your feet on solid, dry ground and finally have peace and refuge and true liberty and freedom. So anyway, that's all I have for right now. Like I said, I'm going to get to the next show, but let's do a uh, do a quick prayer, shall we? <clears throat> Excuse me. So we pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time together gathered you know doing a reading out of your good book it's always a joy when we come together i really do appreciate these days and these times because you know even when we have days that are kind of slightly challenging and i don't want to say you know i don't want to say bad but dare i say um struggling days it seems like when we gather here to listen to your good word somehow it just hearing these words out of the bible just give us a very solid resounding peace and we thank you for that and there's probably good reason for that. This is a good meditating time for us to just sit and relax, end the day on your good word. But as well, we should always start our day in your good word. So thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for those sac that sacrifice, that ultimate sacrifice that he gave for us. Because one man's sin made the whole world fall, but because you brought your son and gave him up for us, because you love the world so much that... That one act that Jesus did washed away the sins of the world. And we're forever eternally grateful for that. So thank you. In your holy son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And so that is all we have for uh, this show. I'm going to be back here in about mm, two to three minutes. So come on right back if you could. We're going to do a National Assembly update and more. Um, so yeah. We'll be back on the other side. And if we don't catch you on the other side, we'll see you back here tomorrow for another 1% with him. And until then, or the next time, you guys have a blessed day or night, wherever you're at in the world. And we'll see you back here in about five minutes or tomorrow, depending on what you're feeling like. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer. 
and you be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. out our website www.hishardline.com for all the latest updates.